Good evening. Three thirty today, so I came prepared. I knew what it was going to be like in here. Were you able to? That's okay. Don't worry about it. Brother Matt was trying to put something on the screen for me this evening, but it had to go to the cloud, and of course we have lightning in the clouds this evening, so it messed. Or at least that's the best way I know how to explain it. I should have just what I would have done, and that's get a big old poster and draw it on the poster. But that shows how old I am. So it's good to be here this evening, and it's good to see each one here. <clears throat> I thought I had all kinds of time tonight. Miss Carlene had to run an errand, and so I was home all evening alone, and I was getting ready, and Everything was going great, and I just had to put my shoes on and gather up my stuff, and I broke a nail. And it just about finished me right there. But I did manage to get here, but I didn't get it clipped or filed or anything. So, Sorry. I know, it's everything just so fine that it breaks easily. Okay, this evening, our Bible study this evening will be in the um, book of Numbers. Now, this is my... Um, I guess I like this book of the Bible the most. It's not my favorite book of the Bible, but I like it because it's numbers. I'm, uh, I've always been a numbers person. Now, my mind's not working correctly anymore, so the numbers don't work so well. But uh, 50 years ago, my dad pastored a church down close to Houston, and our mailbox was 447. Those kind of things stick in my head. I can still remember phone numbers that have been disconnected for years. In fact, I have to in my business because the last landline I had was the phone number for my account at one of the stores, and they require that number constantly. And so I have to keep remembering a number that's been gone for a long time. Um, but I just, I do like numbers. This is an interesting, a very interesting book to me, uh, as well for the content of this book. And as I, I said, I had Brother Matt was going to put me up a graphic, and it was a, I don't know where it went. Anyway, it was a piece of paper, and it was about numbers, and it said in school, 2 plus 2 is equal to 4, and for homework, 2 plus 4 plus 2 is equal to what? Which is 8. And then for the exam, it says Omar has four apples, his train is seven minutes early, calculate the mass of the sun. And so that's how math goes a lot of times. And uh, (laughs) the way it got for me in the upper grades in school, that's for certain. But I did a little calculation, and the, because it interested me, the mass of the sun is basically two with 30 zeros behind it. 
technically it's 1.989 times 10 to the 30th power, and that's in kilograms. And uh, what kilograms transfers into ounces and pounds. Uh, but the sun's mass is actually 330,000 times what the Earth is. And just one other little minor fact. Uh, to calculate the mass of the sun, you do have to use Kepler's law. But um, <clears throat> according to the scientists, the sun contains 99.8% of all the mass in the solar system. So there's your numbers for this evening that aren't in the scriptures except the word sun is in the scripture a whole bunch of times spelled S-O-N and S-U-N. And there's definitely a major type there. So, in the book of Numbers, the Greek word, amazingly, for, the, for numbers is arithmoi, or what we would say as arithmetic. In the Hebrew, the Texas pronunciation is bimadbar, and that means in the wilderness. Very fitting for this book as well. Now, the primary number, not prime number, but the primary number of the book is what? What number of years is this book? If anybody wants to offer a guess, you don't have to. I know it's embarrassing if you say a number and somebody goes, no, that wasn't right. But, uh, <laughs> and it also, sometimes my questions are not don't have enough information uh, to give you a good clue. But the primary number of the book of Numbers is 40 because of the Hebrew word in the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness. Um, that is not the primary reason for the number of the book or the name of the book. The primary reason for the name of the book is the two numberings of the children of Israel, one at uh, close to the beginning, and we'll look at those in a little bit, in chapter 1 and then in chapter 26. Uh, they're numbered twice, uh, a specific grouping, and we'll get into some more of those uh, details as we get farther along this evening. <clears throat> Let's look for Briefly, let's talk about the outline. And this is, it's a shorter outline than many of them, as given by some authors, I'll put it that way. But the, the first part of the outline is very long. The first part, the number one thing of the outline is the preparation for the departure from Sinai. And in that category, it includes things like the arrangement of the camp, the duties of the tribes, as well as certain groups within the tribes, the service that they are to perform, the requirements uh, that each group is to live by or to do certain things. Uh, the Passover is part of that, and the cloud or things are included in that first uh, section of the book is the prophecies of Balaam and then for interest entering, excuse me, the promised land package. Uh, let's see what um, 
Mr. Kranz says about numbers, wanders in the wilderness for 40 years. So he's spot on uh, in this instance and uh, just pretty much says what's there. Before we go any farther, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get into uh, some of the details of the book of Numbers. Father, we thank you for the privilege to be here this evening. Lord, for each one that's able to be here, pray that you'll bless the time we have here in the auditorium. Bless the youth department, bless the kids club, bless those in the nursery, Lord. Pray that you protect us all from harm. Help us to live for you and serve you. Lord, we pray for the many special needs on the prayer list. And Lord, we just pray that you'd guide us and direct us and send us members in accordance with your will, Lord, and that we'd see souls saved. Lord, we love you and thank you for all your many blessings. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, let's start in chapter 1. Verses 45 and 46. And as always, we're very limited on time uh, on Wednesday evenings. And so I have to hit the highlights that I can pick out uh, or that may mean something special to me and just do what we can. And I won't waste a whole lot more time explaining that because we don't have a lot of time. So there so were all those that were numbered of the children of Israel by the house of their fathers from 20 years old and upward, chapter 1, verse 45, all that were able to go forth to war in Israel, even all they that were numbered, were 600,000 and 3,550. So 603,550. That's, that's the number uh, that you see there. That's, the wording is a little bit different in the way that we generally say numbers uh, today, but it still amounts to the same group. This was the group of adult males, 20 and above, that were physically able to go to war. That's when they, excuse me, prepared to take the trip, when they had left Egypt and they were going to the promised land. Now, numbers vary dramatically by scholars and non-scholars mostly, um, but there could easily have been three to four million of them when they left uh, Egypt easily. And, and I, I mean, my opinion doesn't count a whole lot, but the, I, I would go with that uh, in a heartbeat, especially considering this group, what their size was, and you know of the other parts of the family uh, children, parents, grandparents, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it would only make sense. Uh, to me, there's a, a huge thing here um, that we'll talk about in just a, a little bit. But let's jump over to chapter 26, and let's look at the second time that they were numbered. Verse 51 these were the numbered of the children of Israel, 600,000 and 1,730. So 601730. The difference there in 40 years, basically, is only 1,820. There were about 1,820 less able-bodied men 40 years later than there was at the time they were first numbered. So 
they, they obviously, as God said, and again, we have to pick verses we have time to read. God said, I'm going to take care of your children and I'm going to take care of these young ones, but you didn't believe me, so you're not going to make the trip. And that, that is the thing. Of the first number, the 603,550, 603,548 of them died. Only Joshua and Caleb of the 20 and above adults lived through that 40 years. The rest of them passed away. Mostly, again, replaced by younger ones coming up. Uh, and so at the time of the preparation to go into the promised land, um, the, the numbers were very, very similar. Now here's, here's where, and I have no idea. I have never read anything, and I still haven't done any research. One of these days I will. Uh, I know that it may be morbid to you, and it, it may be uninteresting possibly. Uh, but Ms. Sharp and I, we like when we go sightseeing, we like to look at cemeteries. We like, like to look at headstones. That's always been interesting to us. Plus, you find names of people you go, I wonder if they're kin to me, or I wonder if they're kin to people we know, and the dates on them and the decorations and sometimes pictures. Anyway, that's free. Uh, it's always interesting to us. But if you consider in 40 years that 603, 548 men alone died, <clears throat> That average, 42 of those guys died every single day. Now you throw in all the other people that died, the other older adults that all passed away as well, you're looking at close to 200 people per day on average. Now I, I know when the earth opened up and swallowed a biome that it took, you know, that was an above average day. And so, um, and they, but what did they do with them? The, I, there's nothing in the scripture except for, and, and I don't mean it wrong to use the term, but it's all that comes to, comes to mind at the moment. The celebrities in the Bible, oftentimes we're told what happened to them. Moses was taken away and nobody knows where he was buried. Abraham was put here and Isaac was put here and Rebecca was put here and so on. But the... I'm going to just say, again, I don't mean it wrong, the average person, we have no idea for the most part. But what did they do with all of them? Now, they didn't travel every day. I know that. They only moved when the pillar of cloud moved. And when it, when it stayed in place, the tabernacle remained where it was, and they stayed right there. But there was a lot, of, there was a lot to deal with in every respect. I mean, in everything that you think about that ever happens with your family, the, the needs that you have, what happens with the older generations and all that, that happened with these people. And it covered 40 years, and it was a huge group of them. I mean, you, some of you are better with some of the numbers, especially, and I am. You think around the state of Texas or around the nation, a town of approximately 4 million people, and they're mobile, always, for 40 years. As, and, of course... Most all of us have seen um, the, the layout of how many, well, I think it was like five trains a day of, of uh, uh, the cars that hold liquid anyway, five one-mile-long trains a day of water, 
and it was like eight, mi- eight of those trains a day for food would be required. If you were going to move that many people across this country a day, you'd have to have that many trains every day supplying all that stuff for them. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing what all is condensed into what we see here in this book. Now, I, other, other books have parts of it as well. Uh, I mean, I think everyone knows that. And um, we're started in Genesis and each week that I'm up here, we're trying to take one book and cover as much as we can. So I'm hitting the highlights from those books primarily. But that's what that's what we're looking at um, in the book of Numbers. Miriam, Moses's sister. She passed away approximately. Well, let me back up just a second. Numbers covers basically from May of 1461 to April of 1422. That's 40 years. That's the time frame. Um, Miriam passed away in April of 1423, approximately a year before the wanderings ended. Aaron passed away in August of 1423. Um, which would have been just a few short months after Miriam did. And then Moses passed away in March of 1422. And I realize that if you look at, you know, those names pass by, but anyway, if you look at the different ones that do the calculations of dates, that these dates may not agree with everybody, but they're right there very close and it's a it's a system that that I don't have any problem with saying these dates may be approximate but they're very close uh, we can easily say Miriam passed away a year before they the wanderings ended Aaron just a few months and then Moses right at the very end of that time frame and and that's that's easily easily um, seen Now, chapters 1 through 14 of the book of Numbers covers approximately one and a half years. Chapters 20 through 36 through the end of the book cover approximately half a year. Six months is all uh, as far as the actual time frame. And then chapters 15 through 19, that's the 38-year time period that is covered there for a total of almost precisely 40 years. Okay, the types that we see, some of the types that we see in the, old, in, uh, the book of Numbers, one of them is one that we saw earlier, uh, and that would be the showbread. That term shows up several times in this book, very important as a type. All of these types of Christ, the Nazarite, we see that first here in the book of Numbers. That is a very important type. Aaron's rod, which ultimately of the 12 budded, uh, which is not humanly or not uh, scientifically or agriculturally or whatever the term would be. It's not possible uh, for an almond tree to grow from a stick. Some things you can cut a branch off, stick it in the ground, and it'll root that's not possible. This one wasn't even put in the ground. God made it, bud, obviously, to prove that he was talking to Aaron, and Aaron was the one he'd chosen. The red heifer, uh, a very interesting term to me, 
Um, some years ago, there was stories that came out of Israel that they had found a red heifer. And, of course, pointing to how that we were close to the end times. That story never got really, really big, but uh, I saw it several times. And it is interesting and in studying about red heifer and the uh, what's involved in the scriptures is an interesting uh, study. Water is a very big thing here in the book of Numbers. During the 40 years of wanderers, Wandering in the wilderness, obviously water was a significant thing. It was a significant source of stress and strife. And one of the things that we'll look at in a few minutes involves the water and the type there. And then, of course, the serpent. Uh, this is where we saw the, the brazen serpent. Nehushtan is how I pronounce that term. Um, became a big deal and a big problem for Israel later in their history. So these are some of the types, some of the things that were uh, we see in this book. So let's go to let's go to a low light is what I'd call it. Chapter 20 here in Numbers and a little bit we'll be going as we do every time looking at the old new comparisons, but right now we'll stay in the book of Numbers exclusively. Chapter 20 and verses 7 through 12. This is a, a sad and low point uh, here in this book. Chapter 20, verse 7. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, Therefore, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. So this is the low point, a very low point, because God gave Moses strict instructions on what he was do here. And um, <laughs> obviously Moses was not happy that day. For the meekest man on, on the planet, he, he had pretty harsh words that time. Uh, unfortunately, he let his anger overcome his um, senses, and he did something that he wasn't supposed to do. The Lord told him in verse 8, take the rod. Clearly, he was to take that rod with him. But he said, but when you get to the rock, you speak to the rock. And that's not what Moses did. He smote the rock twice. 
Now, Exodus chapter 17, we're going to have to back up for this one because I think it's obviously worth reading. Because it's so important to this passage. Exodus 17, verses 5 and 6. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thy hand, thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So back in Exodus chapter 17, and this is anywhere from 250 years to down to, say, 50 years, somewhere between 50 and 250 years. No, that's not right. Um, somewhere in the, the time frame, anyway. I, I'm, again, I'm, Moses had already smote the rock once, and it happened in the past, not all that far back, um, but in the past. And now he's got to go to the rock again. And this time he smites it twice when he wasn't supposed to smite it at all. And we know that the Bible teaches that Christ was once smitten. Our rock was smitten once for our sins. And the living water came forth out of the rock. And so here we see Moses striking the rock twice, which totally takes away from what's supposed the types that are there and showing that Moses was rebellious because he got angry because the people were rebellious, which should always remind us we still don't have the right to do wrong because others are doing wrong. But uh, there's a much bigger picture than that, but that's the simple thing about it. And it's a sad thing because of that. Otherwise, Moses wouldn't have had to die before they went into the promised land. He could have gone too. But he didn't get to go. He got to look, but he didn't get to go. And all because of that um, might, might be a simple thing in some people's eyes, but it's not because it broke the type. Uh, and what God was teaching and instructing and showing us from way back then to when he came and died on the cross for us. Chapter 13, back in Numbers, uh, one of the highlights. Oh boy, always out of time. Chapter 13, verse 23. And they came unto the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes and they bare it between two upon a staff and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. So this is um, when they sent in the spies before they started to... Uh, there at Kadesh Barnea and they went in and they found as so many places says a land that floweth with milk and honey they took a cluster of grapes and they cut it off and it took two men to carry it because it was so big 
what God was promising them and planning to give them was amazing. And it was there, again, a major <laughs> type and picture of we can't do anything of ourselves, but God will supply our needs and give us abundantly above all that we think or, or hope for if we'll trust him. And obviously, we know the, know the story. <clears throat> now, in um, Deuteronomy going forward, one book to chapter one, the sad and pitiful <laughs> truth about the book of Numbers, Deuteronomy chapter one and verses one and two, these be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side Jordan in the wilderness in the plain over against the Red Sea between Paran and Tophel, however, and Laban and Hazaroth and Zahab. There are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. So this 11 day trip took 40 years. Sound like the preacher going to Wyoming. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I just had, to, I don't know why I said that, but no, it's just, it, is, it is amazing. And it was an 11-day trip, but it took 40 years because of unbelief. And um, it's so sad. Okay, old and new. I think I've got... Maybe only a couple, but several references. The serpent lifted up by Moses. I didn't get that one written down. The reference to it. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to find it in this short period of time. If somebody can grab it, just wave your hand at me and tell me right quick. We'll take time to read it. But I don't know. Oh well, we know it happened. The, they, the serpents uh, were sent forth, and we'll read about it in the New Testament. Um, and Moses crafted the brazen serpent. And they put it up on a pole, and uh, that stopped the plague. In John chapter three, the Lord. talks about it. John three fourteen. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And so that would have been then in um, the Apostle Paul, first Corinthians chapter ten. First Corinthians 10, verses 8 and 9. Neither let us commit fornication of some, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. And then the Apostle Peter in Second Peter chapter 2.
2 Peter 2.15 Which have forsaken the right way and have gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. So these three New Testament men, the Lord and two others, spoke about the serpent and the wickedness of the people at that time uh, during that wilderness journey. And then Numbers chapter 2, and this will be our last one. Numbers chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house. Far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. And on the east side toward the rising of the sun shall they of the standard of the camp of Judah pitch throughout their armies. And Nashon, the son of Amenadab, shall be captain of the children of Judah. And we've got to stop there, otherwise we're going to have to read through all 12 of the tribes and the details, and we certainly don't have time to do that. But then back up to, on to verse 50, and there it says, But thou shalt appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of testimony, and over all the vessels thereof, and over all things that belong to it, they shall bear the tabernacle and all the vessels thereof, and they shall minister unto it, and shall encamp round about the tabernacle. Now those two verses may seem kind of out there, but there's a serious point there because I go back to the outline in the preparations for the departure from Sinai, the arrangement of the camp, the duties of certain tribes and certain groups with groups within those tribes for service and what they're supposed to do. And all of those things were determined by God for the children of Israel. Specific duties. Three tribes camped on the west. Three, three tribes on the east. Three on the north. Three on the south. Whatever direction that really would be here. Around the tabernacle. And they always did that. And there were certain groups within that of those tribes that did certain things. There were certain people, the only ones that could touch the, the things that were made of gold in the tabernacle. There were certain ones that drove the wagons that they loaded. That, the only ones that had beasts of burdens were for carrying the, the walls and the roof of the, of the tabernacle and the, uh, the um, holy places. They were the only ones that had wagons. Everybody else had to carry their stuff. But they had wagons to carry those skins and all that, the woodwork and things. But only certain ones could do that. And God said, this is the way it has. The point is that God determines our place of service. He tells us what he wants us to do. And we don't, we don't have the right necessity or reason to do otherwise. We spent a long time talking about spiritual gifts. And to me, 
Here is a beautiful picture of that. God gives us responsibilities. Just as all the Israelites had a place and a task in, in the service to the Lord in their travels, each member has a place and a task in the church. Let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is a, it's a major thing to me. Um, I've spent so many years of my life watching people come in the front door and go out the back door. And uh, a guy that I don't know how much respect I have for, but anyway, he has a lot to say about it. Tony Evans says, that's ridiculous. Why, why does everybody come in the front door? They just pass through. Probably told this here. I'll probably tell it here again because of the way things are going, but we were in a church in Iowa Park a long time ago. A lady comes and visits the church that morning. And during the invitation, she comes forward. She joins the church. She never, ever darkened the church door again. Where did she go? Why did she come and her first time there join and then never come back? Strange things. A bunch of you can tell those kind of stories. But it's something that, that I, I don't understand, but I do know a lot of the reason for it is we don't help people understand what they need to do in the Lord's work. We can't all do the same thing. There's not enough for us all to do just one job. We have to have responsibilities, just like the children of Israel did. Can you imagine if the, if the Levites not only had to do the service of the tabernacle, but they had to take the tabernacle completely apart and then carry it to the next place, and then set it up, and then do all the service too? wouldn't make any sense. No, no, no one carries the entire load. We're all given those responsibilities. 1 Corinthians 10, 8, and 9. I guess I'll just read my verses, and I could quit ad-libbing. Uh, neither let... That's not right. I'm on 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I think you've heard this verse before. Brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And then verses 4 through 7. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. But now, in verse 18, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. I personally will never be convinced otherwise that right there, verse 18, is a huge key to why a lot of churches have so many problems. There are a lot of people that don't belong there. That God hasn't moved them into that church, but they wanted to be there. We, we have to, it's just like everything else in life that has to do with the Lord's service. There are a lot of things that we may be convicted about and we may be burdened about, but God's not always calling us to that. I mean, I still, to this day, as an old man, I still love missionaries. And I love to hear their letters and to, and to hear what's going on. And I love to get to know them. 
I have a burden for missions and, and I love missionaries, but God hasn't called me to be a missionary. I don't know that I would have lasted six weeks on the mission field. For one thing, I'd have starved to death. <laughs> God would have had to really change not only my heart, but my system of eating because I couldn't have... But that's not what God called me to do. But I can pray for them and I can encourage them and I can do a lot of things. But that's not my calling. And I know that. Basically, God called me, I believe, my gift is to teach. I'm not the best teacher in the world by any stretch, but that's what I do that I love and I'm always comfortable with. Even though I may be nervous up here today, I'm comfortable teaching. A lot of other things I'm not comfortable doing. And then the other one is in Ephesians chapter 4. This is going to be a new verse, I'm sure, to everybody. I'm just kidding. We read it about a hundred times last year. Ephesians 4, 1. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech ye that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And then in verse 16, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. If we are comfortable with the spiritual gifts that God has given us and we use those in the church that he's placed in, we can all be happy. We don't all have the same job. Nobody wants to ask me to play the piano. Promise you that. It's, it's, not, it's not my gift and it's also not my talent. And, uh, if you want me to fix the door on your house, then I can have that talent. But I don't have the talent for playing piano or any other musical instrument. I play a stereo fairly well. I like, I like the book of Numbers. It's a cool book. All of the books of the Bible are cool books. The, books of, the book of Numbers, as all the others, has a lot of important information, a lot of things that we need, a lot of things that we can see about what God was doing with the children of Israel in their time in that place and how it applies the church in the wilderness or the, the wilderness wanderings and Israel in the wilderness was not the church. That was Israel. That was, we are in the church age and we're the church, but we can see a lot of things that apply to us and are very important for us. So, next time we'll be looking at the book after Numbers, which should be Deuteronomy, if I'm not mistaken, if my numbers are correct. I'm going to take just a minute. I'm not running a whole lot later than normal, but I I mentioned Sunday morning uh, about having a test, and I did have a MRI ran last week. Um, This week... Yes, or today, I guess it was. I went and saw uh, ENT, and some of you may want to get out your little violins and start playing. <laughs> now, I don't want you to feel sorry for me, but I just want to, I want to tell you, I am, even though the MRI showed nothing 
period, no brain or no brain problems. I know that there's a lot of difference in MRIs they take in one place, and so I may eventually have to go to UT Southwest or something. Um, a lot of things that are going on with me. I, I'm, I enjoy doing this, and I want to continue as long as I can, but sometimes I have what my doctor thought was humorous, uh, but he liked my term. I have mind glitches, and it's happened two or three times up here. It happened worse in Sunday school. Um, I called out a reference and then had no earthly idea of where it was. And Carlene happened, were both there that day, and so she, you know, like for the little kids, okay, you remember Joshua, Judges, Ruth, whatever. Oh, five minutes later, I called out another one. No earthly idea what it was in the scriptures. And so she was able to do that again. It happened in here one Wednesday night. And, and I looked at her and she knew what happened. And I thought, okay, how do I handle this? But about that time, it came to me that night. And so there was just a you know, pregnant pause in the Baptist church is not acceptable. But that's what happened that night. And then one night, I wandered off the trail in here talking about uh, Eve and Cain. And so I am having some issues, but I want to continue as long as I can. But we just uh, we'll go as long as we can and see what um, they're supposed to help me with my my hearing. I don't know that that'll help you all, but it'll <laughs> it's supposed to help me. It was hilarious going through that test today or the series of tests. I got a feeling that that doctor that was sitting behind the glass in the dark room was laughing their head off some of the things because they wanted me to repeat what I was hearing. And I'm, I finally just go, nothing, gobbledygook. And uh, so I, I'm sure they thought it was funny. But anyway, uh, and, and with some other physical things that I still haven't have any report on my blood work. Uh, on some autoimmune things besides what I know I have. But um, y'all just pray for me and try to cut me a little bit of slack if I say something or if I just freeze up, you'll know what happened anyway. <laughs> My brain's going, uh-uh, I'm not talking. So uh, I just wanted to share that, take a minute. And because uh, I'm getting a lot out of this. I'm, I'm enjoying the studying that I get to do and, and, and sharing it. I don't know how it comes across, but anyway, that's, that's where I am, Brother Matt.